0: Well, hello Friends Church, it is so good to be with you here this weekend. My name is Chris Ward and I'm the teaching pastor here at Friends Church and at this point, I would invite you to go ahead and grab your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever you have, and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is where we are today. And as you turn there, this week marks our final weekend in our 21 Days of Prayer series that we started 2021 with. And if you think back to the first week in this series, you will remember that one of the reasons why we're doing this series is because, quite honestly, we just want 2021 to be a better year than the year that we came out of. Uh, For many people, myself included, 2021, was a difficult year, it was filled with some good things, it was filled with God's blessings as every year is, but there was also some tough stuff. And I really believe that 2021 has the potential to be better. And one of the reasons I think it's going to be better is because of exactly what this series is all about. I believe wholeheartedly in what God tells his people in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, which is the theme verse that we have chosen for this series. Where God says this, we'll put it on the screen. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land." And what God is telling us in that particular verse is he's telling us that as God's people get serious about prayer, we will see God move in amazing ways. As God's people get serious about prayer, we will begin to see God move in amazing ways. That's what God tells us in that verse. But I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, It's getting serious about prayer. That is sometimes the difficult thing. You know, I'll be honest with you. I I struggle sometimes when we do these series where we put a number of days to something. Like we've done, I think, 50 days with Jesus before and 21 days of prayer. And the reason I struggle is because what are we supposed to do when these number of days are over? Are we supposed to stop spending time with Jesus at the end of 50 days? Are we supposed to stop praying at the end of these 21 days? Well, we all know the answer to that, right? Of course not. As we'll see in today's uh, message, for example, we need to spend every single day with Jesus. And obviously, we need to spend every single day praying. So the question that faces us after we co- as we come out of these 21 days of prayer is how do we turn these 21 days of prayer into a lifetime of prayer? Maybe some of you got more serious about prayer than ever over the last 21 days. How do we turn that now into a lifestyle of prayer? Well, I believe the answer to that question is found for us in the verse that we're looking at today. Today we're gonna to do what I am calling a Chris Ward special, okay? I just coined that term this, this last week. And what I mean by that is we're gonna spend our entire time today focused on just really one verse in our Bibles. You know, the older I get, and I'll talk even more about this later, but the older I get, the more richness I see in this book, and the more I realize you could do a a whole message on every single verse in the Bible. Now, don't worry, I won't do that, but today, I do want to do that. And the verse we're going to look at today is we're going to look at John chapter 15, verse 7. And this is one of those amazing verses in the Bible on the subject of prayer. In fact, it is so amazing, it's almost a little bit difficult to believe. Let's look at what Jesus says here. John chapter 15 verse 7. Jesus is speaking and he says the following. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you remain in me, Jesus says, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And you see what an amazing statement that is, right? In fact, if I were just to say that and and it weren't in the Bible, many of you, you would accuse me of exaggerating. You would accuse me of making too big a deal of prayer. And yet these words are in the Bible. And they come from the lips of Jesus himself, which means they are true. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And obviously it's the last part of that verse that stands out the most because here Jesus is telling us that we can ask for whatever we want and it's going to be done for us. And I don't know about you, but if I had that sort of experience in prayer where every time I asked for something, I got it, man, I would never want to stop praying. And probably the case is for many of you as well. These 21 days, they wouldn't be the end of prayer. They would be just the beginning of prayer. But, just like the passage we looked at the first week in this series, this passage, this verse, it raises a few eyebrows, doesn't it? Because this hasn't been my experience in prayer. And I would imagine it hasn't been many of your experiences in prayer as well. So the question that we're left with is, how do we understand what Jesus is saying here? How do we understand what's going on here? Well, in order to understand what Jesus is saying here, we have to understand this verse in its entirety. We we can't just focus on the last part where Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We can't do that because that doesn't give us the full picture of Jesus' comment here. You see at the beginning of verse 7, look at what Jesus says there. Jesus says, if you remain in me and if my words remain in you. Jesus says there, if you remain in me and if my words remain in you. And I want you to notice the word if there because it's very important. And the reason why that word is important is because it signals a condition, right? Jesus is giving us a condition. In other words, what Jesus is saying is he's saying that the only way we're gonna get everything that we ask for in prayer is if we remain in Jesus and if Jesus's words remain in us. The only way we're gonna get everything we ask for in prayer is if we remain in Jesus and if Jesus's words remain in us. And so in order to understand this amazing promise about prayer that Jesus makes here, we have to understand these two statements. We have to understand these two conditions. So let's take a look at each of these. First of all, Jesus says, if you remain in me, if you remain in me. And the key to understanding this particular phrase is to understand the word remain there. And the key to understanding the word remain there is to understand the larger context of this particular verse. So let's take a second and do that. Uh, This verse, John 15, seven, it comes within a speech that Jesus is giving his disciples the night before he is crucified. And the night before he is crucified, Jesus is giving this long speech to his disciples and really what he's talking to his disciples about is he's talking to his disciples about what life is gonna look like when he's no longer here on this earth. He's talking to his disciples really about how to maintain a relationship with him when Jesus is no longer physically present on this earth. And one of the things that Jesus does in order to talk about that is he uses this interesting image, and it's the image of a vine and its branches. And you see this especially at the beginning of verse 5 of John chapter 15, where Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And that image that Jesus uses there, it's an image that Jesus' disciples would have been very familiar with. You see, the landscape of Israel at this time, it was dotted with many vineyards. We'll put a picture on the screen of an actual vineyard in Israel today. And this scene that you're seeing right now, it would have been very familiar to Jesus' disciples. And so Jesus picks up on this familiar image. He calls himself a vine, and he calls you and me, his followers, the branches. And I actually have an example here of what Jesus talking is talking about now obviously this is not a grapevine like Jesus would have been talking about this is an ivy plant but but the point here is still the same this part of the plant right here this is the vine and these leaves hanging down these are the branches this part right here this is the vine and this Jesus says refers to him and these are the branches and this Jesus says refers to us that's the picture that Jesus gives us in this section of Scripture And in using this particular image of a vine and its branches, what Jesus is picking up on is he's picking up on something that we all know about how plants work. You don't have to be a gardener in order to understand what Jesus is saying here. You see, if I were to take one of these branches here, if I were to take one of these leaves here, and I were to rip this off, this particular vine, then what would happen to this branch? What would happen to this leaf? Well, actually, in preparation for this message, I did that several days ago. I took this leaf right here and I ripped it off a vine very similar to this and as you can see this leaf has shriveled up and it's died. And the reason for that is obvious, right? You see it's the vine that provides life to each of its branches. And so the only way for a a branch to stay alive is to remain connected to a vine. The only way for a branch to stay alive is if it remains on the vine. And that's the point that Jesus is making in this passage through this image. The only way that we can have spiritual life, the only way that we can have spiritual vitality is if we remain connected to Jesus. The only way that we can have spiritual life, the only way that we can have spiritual vitality is if we remain connected to Jesus. And this is one of the most important things that we can remember in the Christian life. You know, let me tell you. Let me tell you one of the most dangerous things that you can do in your Christian life, okay? One of the most dangerous things that we can do in our Christian life is to allow ourselves to get too far away from Jesus. One of the most dangerous things that we can do in our Christian experience is to allow ourselves to get too far away from the author and the perfecter of our faith, from Jesus himself. You know, contrary to maybe what some of you have been taught before, contrary maybe to what some of you even believe, the Christian life is not first and foremost about inviting Jesus into our heart and then not having anything to do with him ever again. It's not about inviting Jesus into our life and then running off to go and do our own thing and never paying attention to him again. No, as Jesus indicates in this passage, he wants to have a relationship with him. He wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to be as as close as a branch is to his vine. He wants us to be as connected to him as a leaf is to its vine. And that's what Jesus means here when he says, if you remain in me. Jesus wants us to be as close and connected to him as a branch is to its vine that's the only way that we can have spiritual life but that itself raises a question doesn't it and the question that it raises is okay so how do we do that how do we maintain that close relationship with Jesus how do we remain connected to Jesus in that way well I believe the answer to that is given in the second statement of verse 7 Look again at the second verse seven. Look at what Jesus says here. He says this. He says, if you remain in me and if my words remain in you. If you remain in me and if my words remain in you. And what I believe Jesus is telling us in that second statement is he's telling us how we remain in him. And what Jesus is telling us in that second statement is that the way that we remain connected to Jesus is by paying attention to his words. The way that we remain in Jesus is being by being connected to his words. And let me ask you this question. Where, brothers and sisters, do we find Jesus' words? Where do we find the words of Jesus? Where do we find the words of God? We find it in this book, right? And so the way that we remain connected to Jesus is by being connected to this book. And for those of you who know me, you know that this gives me an opportunity to talk about one of the things that I am passionate about talking about. And that is that it gives me an opportunity to talk about this book. It gives me an opportunity to talk about the Bible. It gives me an opportunity to talk about God's Word. You know, just the other day I was talking to someone about why I love the Bible so much and why I'm so passionate about it. And my answer to that is really easy. Uh, the reason I love the Bible so much is there's, there's nothing that changes us. There's nothing that transforms us. There's nothing that has the power to impact us more than this book. There, there is power in this book. There is power in the words of God that are in this book. One of my favorite passages in the Bible that talks about the power of God's word is found in the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 55, God is talking to us about the power of his own words and the effectiveness of his own words. And this is what he says, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. He says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And what you see in that passage is that God likens his word to to rain coming down from heaven. And depending on when you're watching this, whether or not the weather report was correct, it will have either just rained or maybe it's raining right now. And when you think about it, there's no way for it to rain and not have the earth be affected in some way. Every single time it rains, the world is affected in some way. A plant grows, a flower begins to blossom. Every single time it rains, the world is changed in some way. Well, the same goes for us and the word of God. Every single time God's word is engaged. Every single time it's read, every single time it's proclaimed. We human beings, we are changed in some way, we are transformed in some way. That's the power of this book. And what is it brothers and sisters? What is the ultimate goal of this transformation? What is the ultimate goal of this change? Well Paul tells us in the book of Romans, God's ultimate goal in transforming us is he wants us to be like Jesus. He wants us to be conformed to the very image of Jesus himself and that's what this book does. The illustration I was thinking of when I was thinking about this is the image of, a, of an artist taking a block of marble and, and turning it into a beautiful sculpture. I've always admired the ability that artists have to, with nothing but a chisel, take a formless block of marble and, and make something beautiful out of it. I have little to no artistic ability, so it amazes me that artists are able to do that. Well, in God's kingdom, brothers and sisters, God is like that artist. We are like that block of marble. And this book, God's Word, It's the chisel. As the Holy Spirit applies this book to our heart, this book is the instrument that God uses to transform us, to make us more like Jesus. You see, every single time we read this book, sin is revealed, character is formed, chains are loosened, and we come face to face with God. Every single time we read this book, sin is revealed, character is formed, chains are loosened, and we come face to face with God by remaining in this book, by soaking up the words of this book. That's how we remain in Jesus. And this is where it all comes together, brothers and sisters. This is what helps us make sense of this bold statement about prayer that Jesus makes here. This bold statement where Jesus says that we can ask for whatever we wish and it will be done for us. Now we can understand what Jesus means by that. And it actually is very much related to something I talked about the very first week in this series. If you remember back to the first week in the series, I talked about how my daughter Kinsey, my two and a half year old daughter McKinsey, how almost every single morning she asked my wife and I if she can have a sucker. As she found a sucker once and she ate it for breakfast and now she thinks it's breakfast food. And so every single morning she asked for a sucker. And every single time she asked for that, my wife and I, we always say no. And that story got me thinking. You know, my wife and I, we say no right now to a lot of our kids' requests. And the reason why is because my kids are at an age where they don't always ask for things that are good for them. They ask for a lot of things right now that aren't healthy for them. And as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, as parents, we never want to do anything that is knowingly bad for our children. So we say no to a lot of their requests right now. But here's the deal. As my children get older, their requests are going to change. There's going to come a day, for example, and I hope that day is really soon, when Kinsey won't be asking for suckers for breakfast anymore. She'll start asking for different things. All my kids will. And hopefully, hopefully, the reason why my children will start asking for different things is not just because they know that my, their mom and dad will say no to the bad things that we ask, they ask for. No. But hopefully it will be because they won't want those bad things anymore. Maybe they'll be in sports and they'll realize that the only way they perform their best is when they have a healthy breakfast. And so they'll ask for that instead of a sucker. Or maybe they'll realize that they do their best on tests in school when they get a good night's sleep. And so I know this is pretty out there, but maybe someday they'll ask to go to bed early instead of asking to stay up late. And they'll start asking for different things. They'll start asking for good things. Now don't get me wrong, I am not under any delusions that my kids will ever start asking for broccoli instead of ice cream, okay? But as they mature, their requests will mature. And when they start asking for things that are good for them, you better believe my wife and I will say yes to those things. Those requests will be easy to answer. Well, you know what? The same thing goes for us and God and prayer. I want you to notice in verse 7 brothers and sisters I want you to notice how Jesus phrases the end of verse 7 this amazing promise about prayer that he makes because it's very deliberate as Jesus talks about asking for things in prayer I want you to notice that Jesus does not say at the end of verse 7 that we can ask for anything and God will give it to us no what does Jesus say he says you can ask for anything you wish He says, you can ask for anything you want. It's a word of desire. You can ask for anything that you desire. And there's a reason why Jesus frames it that way. You see, Jesus knows something. Jesus knows that as we grow and we mature in the Christian life, as we remain in Jesus and as his words remain in us and transform us, one of the things that we will find is that our very desires begin to change. We're going to start wanting the things that God wants for us. And therefore, we're going to start asking for the things that God wants to give us. And when that happens... God will have no problem fulfilling those requests in our lives. I was thinking about it this past week. You know, when I was younger, this is 20 years ago or so now, one of the things I used to pray for to my shame is I used to pray that God would help me win the lottery. I used to pray that God would help me uh, strike it big. Now, just so you know, it would have been a real miracle if I would won the lottery because I really never played the lottery. But even still, I, I used to pray for things like that because I thought that was the dream in life. That's what all my friends were going after. And so I used to, to ask for that. But you know what I don't ask for that anymore and you need to understand I don't ask for that because I know that God's gonna say no to that no I don't ask for that anymore because I don't want that you see I know the reason why God said to, no to all those requests that I have it's because God knew that winning the lottery or whatever it may be he, he knew it wouldn't be good for me he knew it wouldn't be healthy for me he knew it would bring me more harm than good and so he said no well you know what I agree with him. I know it wouldn't be good for me. And so I don't want those things anymore. And understand, that's not my doing. That's the doing of this book. As I have spent more time in in God's word, as I remain in Jesus and as Jesus' words remain in me, my very wants, my very desires have changed and therefore the things I ask God for have changed. And the same goes for all of us. As we allow Jesus to change us through his word, there's going to come a point where we won't want suckers for breakfast anymore. We're going to only want the things that God wants for us and the things that God wants for those around us. And so we're going to start asking for those things. Instead of spending our time asking to win the lottery for example our biggest burden will be you know our coworker who doesn't know Jesus and we'll ask God God would you give me the boldness to share my faith with my coworker instead of asking God to get in the easy science class with the easy professor so that we can skate through the semester our heart will go no God put me in the difficult science class with the atheist professor because I want to make an impact on him instead of asking God to you know grow our church so that we can become some famous pastor We're going to start asking God to fill our church with his Holy Spirit so that God can become more famous. And let me ask you something, brothers and sisters. When we start asking God for things like that, how do you think God is going to respond? What do you think God is going to do with those requests? You see, the longer we spend in the Christian life, the more we remain in Jesus and the more that Jesus' words remain in us, the the, the less life becomes about wanting God to do our will and the more life becomes about wanting to be people who do God's will. The longer we spend in the Christian life, the more we remain in Jesus and the more that Jesus' words remain in us and transform us, the less life becomes about wanting God to do our will and the more life becomes about wanting to be people who do God's will. And that's really what I, I think Jesus is getting across in John fifteen seven. In fact, if I could summarize John fifteen seven in one sentence, I'd summarize it this way. It's a transformed prayer life comes from a transformed life. A transformed prayer life comes from a transformed life. And, and this is so important. You know, some people try and treat prayer as like a magic potion. And God is like a genie. And, and they think that if they can just say the right words... Or if they can pray, you know, in a certain way with enough faith, enough boldness, then God is obligated to give us what we ask for. He's obligated to give us what we want, but it doesn't work like that. Yes, God wants us to pray. Of course he does. Yes, God wants us to ask him for things. But God also wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be so transformed by his Word, so transformed by Jesus that, that it comes to a point where it's hard to know where we end and Jesus begins in our life. And it's when that happens that our prayer life will be transformed because then we will only care about the things that God cares about and we'll only want the things that God wants and we'll see God move in ways like never before. That's exactly what George Mueller experienced. George Mueller, in case you don't know, is one of the giants of the Christian faith of the 19th century. He was an evangelist. He also ran an orphanage. And there are few people in this life more transformed by God and his word than than George, and more about God's work than George. And for that reason, not only was George a man of prayer, George was a man of answered prayer. Uh, We have records of over 50,000 prayer requests that George prayed during his lifetime, over 30,000 of which George indicated were answered within the first 24 hours of him praying for those prayer requests. It's just amazing. But there's one way prayer requests, especially of George's, that rises to the surface. As I said, George was in charge of an orphanage. And one day it was time for breakfast in that orphanage, and so all the kids came into the dining room to eat. Only that particular day there was a problem. They had run out of food. There wasn't any food to feed the kids. But to George, this wasn't a problem. It was an opportunity. George was doing God's work and so he knew that that God was going to come through. And so George prayed. He had all the kids grab hands and they prayed. And George's prayer was something like this. George said, God, we thank you for the food that you're gonna provide for us today. God, we thank you for the food that you're gonna provide for us today. Well, right after praying that prayer, there was a knock on the door of the orphanage. And George answered it. And they're standing in front of him, this is a true story, there standing in front of him was the town baker. And the baker said to George something like this. He said, George, I woke up in the middle of the night with this feeling that you didn't have food for your kids. And so uh, God told me I needed to provide it. So since 2 a.m. I've been baking and here's bread for all the kids in your orphanage to have. I mean, it's just incredible, right? But the story gets even more amazing. Because right after the baker left, there was another knock at the door. And George opened it and there was the town milkman and believe it or not his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage. And and the the milk guy said, hey George, I got to get all this milk off my cart because I got to fix my cart but it's going to spoil when I do that. So I'd love to give this milk to, to you and your children free of charge. So would you please take it? God came through in amazing ways George was doing God's work George's life had been transformed by God George was all about Jesus and his word and so George asked and God answered a transformed prayer life comes from a transformed life and that's what I want to urge us into as we close out these 21 days of prayer. You know, over the last couple of weeks, Matthew has talked about a prayer request that he is praying on behalf of you all, Friends Church. Well, I wanna let you know, that's a great prayer request and I'm praying my own thing for all of us. My prayer for Friends Church in 2021 is that this would be a year when we become more dedicated to God's word than ever before and that we would see a transformation, indeed a revival that happens as a result. And I just wanna let you know, it is not too late for you personally to begin engaging with God's word. Maybe some of you had an amazing you know, New Year's resolution that you really wanted to get back into God's word and maybe you did it for a few days but then you sort of dropped off. Well, just so you know, you don't have to wait till January 1st, 2022 in order to begin engaging this again. Start right now. In fact, when you're finished with this message, read John chapter 15, read this whole chapter and be transformed by what Jesus says in here. And I also wanna let you know, we wanna help you in all of this. I wanna help you in all of this. Many of you know last summer I did a survey through the book of Revelation. Well, I'm already getting ready to do my next survey. It's going to happen right after Easter. And we're going to do a 10-week study through the book of Romans. And I just want to let you know, as I have been preparing for this study, I am even more excited about Romans than I was about Revelation. And it's not just because Romans is an easier book. But as I have been preparing for this and as I have been in the book of Romans, it has been transforming me. And so we'll tell you more about this study as it gets closer, but maybe you want to begin reading through the book of Romans in preparation for this study. I promise you that as you do that, you will be transformed, and therefore your prayer life will be transformed. Because a transformed prayer life comes from a transformed life. And that's what leads us to our close here today. You know, as we saw, one of the things that Jesus talks about here is the close personal connection that he wants to have with each and every one of us. And that comes through his word, but there's something else that Jesus has given us in order to symbolize that close relationship he wants to have with us, and and that is communion. As we eat the bread and and drink the juice, which we believe here represents the body and the blood of Jesus, and as it goes inside of us, it just reminds us of how close Jesus wants to be with each and every one of us. And so as Kyle said, we're gonna spend some time right now participating in communion. So if you haven't already, go ahead and grab the bread and juice. Obviously, you can press pause if you need to get that ready. But if you do have it ready, here's what I ask you to do. Go ahead first and grab the bread. And by the way, if you don't have any bread, that's okay. I'll talk you through how to do this without bread. But on the night before Jesus was crucified, he had a dinner with his disciples. And at that dinner, he, he broke some bread and he passed it to his disciples. And he said to his disciples this. He said, this bread is my body which is broken for you. Every time you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. If you don't have any bread or anything like that right now to eat, would you just spend some time reflecting on the body of Christ that is broken for us and how close Jesus wants to be to each and every one of us. But if you do have bread, let's take it now in remembrance of Jesus. Following the bread, Jesus took a glass of wine. And he passed the wine around to his disciples and he said to his disciples, this wine is my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. He said, every time you drink of it, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. If you don't have any juice or anything like that with you right now, would you just spend a moment right now just reflecting on the blood of Jesus shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. But if you do have juice or something like that right now, let's drink it in remembrance of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you um, for this reminder that we had today, both through your word and through communion, of just how close you desire to be with each and every one of us, Father. And how close you desire us to be with you. And God, I, I do believe that the primary way that happens is as we as we engage your word, as we read your word, God, it transforms us, Father. And we learn about you when we hear your voice and we become different as a result. And so, God, I pray that, that prayer over Friends Church, Lord. Would this be a year when we become more about, more dedicated to your word than ever before? And would we see the transformation that happens as a result? And God, as we do that, our, our prayer life is going to be transformed. I know it. And so, Father, I pray that this would be a year where you strengthen our faith through our prayers. And as we pray for those things that are according to your will, Lord, that come out of a transformed heart, Father, would we begin to see you move in in so many amazing ways that it it becomes impossible, Lord, it becomes impossible to ever deny you and your love for each and every one of us, God, and that we become gripped by your your mission and, and we see what you can do with that. So God, I thank you for these 21 days of prayer that we have been in, Lord, and I pray that our time of prayer would not end now that these 21 days are up, Lord, but I pray that this would truly be the beginning of not just a a lifestyle of prayer, but it would truly be the beginning of a movement that is fueled by that prayer, that is fueled by your Holy Spirit, God, all for the glory of you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We love you, Father. We thank you so much, and we ask all of this in your Son's name. Amen.